Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Hey Jen. Happy New Year, by the way. This one is our very first episode of 2022. And this one is a very special episode because it involves something that is sweet, something that's buttery, something chewy, and something neat as well. And why do I say that? It's because they come in individual pieces. You can't have the same experience twice. And most importantly, you can't only have one. Now, can you guess what it is that I am referring to? So if you're thinking of cookies right now, then yes, you are correct. But not just any cookies. They are special mochi cookies from Milk and Mochi. Today, we are joined by Bonnie, the founder of Milk and Mochi and a childhood friend of mine. And today, we'll be chatting about the story behind her business, starting all the way from inception to covering discoveries along the way, growth, and maybe parts that are reflected in the brand, parts about her. So definitely some Easter eggs of information that you can discover by listening to the full episode. But without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Bonnie. Hello, Bonnie. Welcome. And it is so good to have you here. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for that intro. That was really, that was a really good intro. Um, And thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really glad that I have the opportunity to speak with you as it's kind of like a long overdue catch up for us just because we met when we were like, 11 or 12. (laughs) So a very long time ago. Yep. Yep. Very long do catch up. For Mm -hmm. sure. So then to help our listeners get to know you a bit better, could you tell us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, so um, I'm in my final year of university at, at Simon Fraser University. I studied marketing and management information systems. Um, yeah, I just have one semester left before graduating and hoping to land a career in marketing strategy. Um, so yeah, and I started Milk and Mochi as kind of like a passion project during the pandemic. Super cool. You are so close to finishing. Best of luck. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And then just to give our listeners a bit of a backstory, we actually met, I think in Chinese school, was it? Yeah. (laughs) I honestly can't remember like what age, honestly, but around 11 or 12. Yeah, it was during Chinese school. And then we started talking a bit there. I am still not fluent in Chinese. I don't know how the progress is for you. No. Honestly, I, I I think I remember we were like low key cheating during Chinese. Ah! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, like I didn't really learn anything honestly. But like I went on to work at a bank at a teller, um, mm-hmm. and then I learned Chinese. I kind of relearned Mandarin because a lot of the customers spoke Mandarin, and I had to like mm-hmm. help them out. So now I know how to process a financial transaction in Mandarin. But that's about it in terms of my abilities. <laughs> That is an achievement in itself. And yeah, to be honest, I feel like a lot of us can relate here. It's just that Chinese school was something that you didn't volunteer to put yourself through. You just kind of went through it. And then if you became fluent, then I fully congratulate you because I wonder how you did that. But no, not fluent. (laughs) I am honestly picking up like one of the books that I had and I'm trying to force myself to learn Chinese right now. I'm just like, hey, this is what you get for dropping out. (laughs) (laughs) That's really impressive that you're even reading it because I have no idea where mine are. (laughs) (laughs) In the landfill. 
Yeah, probably. Right. So then I kind of gave it away a bit by mentioning that we met in Chinese school and that we knew each other since a young age. But then I wanted to briefly chat a bit about baking and your experience with baking. I remember back then we had some instances where we baked together, I think brownie cookies, if I had to recall Mm -hmm. what exactly it was. (laughs) Yeah. But then I remember like a peanut butter chocolate bar thing. That's the only thing I remember. (laughs) yeah the brownie cookies were pretty interesting I'd say (laughs) but yeah about that when exactly did you start baking and how exactly did you get started with it well when I was a really young I would always help my mom out in the kitchen baking um and she would buy me like cookie mixes cake mixes Mm -hmm. and then I would be baking those but then uh I think when I was around like eight years old my mom bought me an easy bake oven so the kind that's like like the oven is literally heated by a light bulb (laughs) but that was like my first experience baking on my own and I loved it and um I definitely thought like I wanted to be a pastry chef (laughs) and so uh, well, that was only like when I was a kid, but then when I went to high school, I already changed my mind about being a pastry chef. But I did take foods in high school, which is like, you know, mm-hmm. cooking and baking. And that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely relate. I'd say like for me as well, I started getting into baking and cooking because of my mom. And then the cookie mixes, it always started mm-hmm. with the mixes. And yeah. then you probably like ate the mix and you're just like, uh, is this safe? I think so. <laughs> I mean, we, we're fine today. So yeah, it is okay. <laughs> were there any common recipes that you made with your mom? Um, I can't really remember. The only thing that stands out to me is we made apple pie. Um, but I can't remember anything else. Um, I just remember like my favorite cookies as a kid were like oatmeal cookies for some reason. Mm. Like I had like the palate of like an old lady when I was like (laughs) six, (laughs) but yeah, I like loved making oatmeal cookies using the mix and I did not like chocolate chip cookies. Like, I don't know what my taste buds were doing, but yeah. Going with the classics. And then you also mentioned that as a child, you had the dream of becoming a pastry chef. You kind of dabbled a bit more with cooking and baking during foods classes. But then mm-hmm. during that moment of having that vision of becoming a pastry chef, did you ever dream about starting your own bake shop or starting starting your own bakery someday? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I can't really remember what exactly, but yeah, I think I was considering like, in my little kid brain, I was thinking like mm-hmm. I could be a pastry chef or like start my own bakery. And then my mom would joke and say that my bakery would be called Bon Bon Bakery. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know if I ever seriously considered it. Um, I actually switched my dream to fashion design like once I entered mm-hmm. high school. And so took a lot of textiles and fashion design classes when I changed my mind. But yeah, but here that I am in business. <laughs> definitely comes in handy those passions and your current degree as well Mm -hmm. like with textiles and baking were there any traces of your childhood dreams in milk and mochi today would you say I was thinking about like uh just doing something else with my time during the pandemic I started it um September 2020 so that was like Mm -hmm. in deep into quarantine and I was like Mm -hmm. um I think I kind of want to do something I had thoughts of 
um, having an online bakery actually the year in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, but it never really happened because I was on co-op and then I wasn't really sure how to do it. But then mm -hmm. the pandemic rolled around and I was like, okay, I think now's the time to do it. So yeah, I think for my my childhood dream of being a pastry chef and opening Bon Bon Bakery probably kind of went into this decision. But um, yeah, I kind of just started it because I wanted something to do. And I wanted to kind of like monetize my hobby almost. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm really glad that you did because I can see that you have a really great following. And I've been seeing mo mochi polls everywhere. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, yes, love it. And then this actually made me think of something that we talked about, I think, way back in the day. But then you also did girl guides, right? And you sold oh, yeah. cookies as well. <laughs> would, you yeah. say, like, mm -hmm. would you say that the involvement with girl guides kickstarted an interest for business? Or was that something that kind of came along when you were navigating quarantine and thinking about ways of monetizing your passion? Yeah, I think actually, well, so in Girl Guides, we were like kind of forced to sell cookies. <laughs> and it was actually kind of like a miserable experience for me because I was like six years old and like going door to door and like, oh my, doing, like yeah. hey, please buy my cookies. They're like $4, <laughs> but please. And then <laughs> or like I'd be out in the cold um, in Steve's Den, like just standing in a corner and like trying to get people to buy my cookies and they'd be like oh I forgot my wallet or like I'll think about it and I'll be like oh you forgot your wallet okay please come back next time <laughs> but no I wouldn't say that sparked my interest in business but mm -hmm. when I was like 15 I helped my parents do like a garage sale when we were moving mm -hmm. out and I think that was like my first kind of experience like running like almost like a store because I helped put up the ads for around the neighborhood, like put it online on Craigslist and like um, negotiated prices with the customers who came by and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that was probably my first experience selling. And I just gained like a general interest in business after becoming a business student. So mm -hmm. I would say that's probably where my interest came from. Not from mm -hmm. Girl Guides though. <laughs> <laughs> I see. But yeah, super cool. I actually never knew that you helped out with a garage sale before. And like with Girl Guides, I can totally relate. Like I wasn't in Girl Guides, but I was in Scouts. And then we did something similar called Apple Day. Mm, yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Yeah, instead of selling um, cookies <laughs> or baked goods, we sold apples and it would just be like around plazas or in the corner. And then it always happened in around November. So that was when it was wet and rainy. Mm. And I'd just be like, oh my gosh, oh, buy the apples. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> At least apples are cheap and they can like True. still buy it even if they don't really want to. <laughs> mm -hmm. Donate instead. Yep. Fun times, fun times. I want to chat a bit more about the creation process of Milk and Mochi. So then a few days ago, I remember us like really briefly chatting about how this started. And then as you mentioned, it was born during a time or a phase where you had a lot of free time and you wanted to make use of it, but then I'm definitely sure there is much more to the story. So could you tell us a little bit more about the ideation process and what inspired you to offer mochi cookies in particular? Um, yeah, so I think, so I first had the idea of starting a business, a online bakery in 2019. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I was going to do it with my co-worker from that mm. co-op we were gonna do it together but we kind of just 
um gave up on the idea because oh, <laughs> we were kind of too lazy we were like oh it seems kind of hard like we made the instagram account and yeah and uh weirdly enough it was called subtle asian bakery like uh. <laughs> we took that username like it was like a filler name like that's not what our bakery was going to be called but mm-hmm. anyways um that's where the idea for an online bakery came from and then mm-hmm. during the pandemic i was like okay let's do this now might as well, might be fine. And then in terms of what to sell, um, I think before initially I was definitely leaning towards like Asian inspired baked goods. I wanted to do like mm-hmm. an Asian fusion style bakery. And at the time, mochi cookies were like super trendy. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, I was like, okay, I want to do this because I, ha- I haven't seen anybody selling mochi cookies. Like I haven't seen like a store that sells mm-hmm. it. Um, I've there definitely are now. Um, like there are a couple that I can think of. But back then, like, I think I only saw like recipes for it online. And everyone was baking, of course, during the pandemic. So yeah, I wanted to sell that. And then I was like, okay, let's just start off with that. And then if I want to sell other things like cakes and stuff, I'll decide that later, like in the future. Mm-hmm. But I never eventually expanded my product line because yeah, it's a lot easier to just sell one product and also to have like a niche in one type of product is, I feel like uh, it just makes, it's like easier for me and also makes more sense to be known for just one product and just come up with mm-hmm. a bunch of different flavors. Um, but yeah, and then in terms of thinking of the name, I initially thought of, I wanted something kind of creative, um, but also mm-hmm. no existing business has the name. So initially I thought of Milk & Co., but mm-hmm. I found some other small business already had that name. So I switched it to Milk and Mochi, obviously, because like it's mochi cookies. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I was planning to expand my product line, I was just thinking like Milk and Mochi is kind of a cute name. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's where that came from. Uh, super interesting and super cute how you thought about the name of it, what you wanted to offer. And then I loved how you walked me through the process of how it all came to be from the 2019 online biz idea to what you have today, which is something that is super adorable. And it also looks super amazing. Like I've actually went and checked out the different flavors. I've seen milk tea, anything matcha, milk tea honestly slays me. (laughs) I (laughs) love the idea of offering Asian inspired flavors. And so with that said, is there any significance behind why you chose those ones in particular? Was there any childhood significance for that? Um, yeah, I think so. I really wanted to differentiate um, my flavors from like mm-hmm. the typical like Western flavors like chocolate chip and yeah. white chocolate cranberry. I don't know what, what's out there now, but <laughs> like I wanted to add like an Asian twist. That was kind of the whole point of my initial idea for starting a bakery. Mm-hmm. So um, before I had a fl- the white um, matcha white rabbit. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I would say that one is definitely probably my most one of my most unique flavors. I hadn't seen mm-hmm. anybody incorporating white rabbit into a cookie before. Now I kind of see it. Um, maybe they took inspiration from me, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, I incorporated that candy because that was a candy that I had when I was a kid. And mm-hmm. I'd seen white rabbit flavored sweets like out in the market like I saw like white rabbit ice cream I think like popsicles but not yet in a cookie and also haven't seen it combined with matcha so Mm. I decided to combine the two um yeah and it it was 
actually huge hit, but I don't offer that anymore on my menu because oh. the store that I used to purchase White Rabbit from doesn't sell it anymore. So, oh, man. Um, and it's just, yeah, adding White Rabbit to a cookie is kind of, it's like a really, it's really sticky and it's kind mm-hmm. of difficult to like store and prepare. And so, yeah, I've switched the flavor a little bit to matcha Oreo, which is still really mm-hmm. good. But yeah, that's a flavor that's kind of inspired from my childhood. Mm-hmm. And I think for the milk tea, so I, I have a flavor called milk tea s'mores. And mm-hmm. that one is definitely kind of inspired by like the, there's recently been kind of like a bubble tea trend. Um, Like I keep seeing like bubble tea toast and like bubble tea oh, waffle yeah. flavored things like everywhere. But um, I mean, I've been drinking bubble tea since I was a kid. So I guess that kind oh, yes. of also stems from my childhood. But also I wanted to kind of like tap into the milk tea craze. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. And yes, if you know, you know, white rabbit candies are life. I feel yeah. like it's a staple for every Asian kid. And then with the whole bubble tea trend, that's super interesting. I don't know how you feel about bubble tea pizza. I think I saw it <laughs> once and I was like, <laughs> oh, I've seen it. Um, no, I'm not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> the crust better not be savory. That would be a little terrifying right there. But yeah, I can see that you clearly addressed a market gap there. Like super cool with the flavors. <laughs> Compi- like combined with the mochi as well. I was also thinking about the behind the scenes footage. No, I was lurking on your Instagram a lot. <laughs> so I was looking at how you were baking it and it went from browning the butter to kneading the mochi, making it with milk. And then you kneaded it for 10 minutes, right? To make it chewier. Yeah. So um, before I didn't have like a machine to knead the mochi. So I did it by hand, but I have purchased a machine, like a mixer that has like a attachment that allow that needs the mochi for me. So because mm. um, before I wasn't making like huge quantities, but if I'm say right. making like a hundred pieces of mochi, there's no way I can do that by hand. Like my arm would fall off. So <laughs> yeah, I use a machine now, but it still does take like, I think 15 minutes for it to be done because there's butter in the mochi as well. Mm. Um, and so that's how you kind of incorporate it together and knead it so that it's like really stretchy and you can achieve that mochi pull. Mm. Oh, I love how much dedication and love that there that you've put in to making these cookies amazing. And then I was under the impression that you kneaded it by hand. And I was like, wow, you did that like for 10 minutes straight. (laughs) I used to, but not anymore. I can't. (laughs) Still full of love. But then how did you come up with the recipe? Actually, was there any inspiration behind the techniques and the different ways that you were making it yeah so I think the unique part of my mochi cookies that still kind of differentiates from existing ones now is that Mm -hmm. I use brown butter um Mm -hmm. I've always loved brown butter chocolate chip cookies were like my favorite type of chocolate chip cookie like it seriously elevates the cookie so much like it makes it Mm -hmm. so good like super gourmet I would say Mm -hmm. just like with the extra step of browning the butter like adds so much. Um, So I kind of actually adapted my favorite brown butter chocolate chip cookie recipe into a mochi cookie recipe. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, I tried initially, um, I I think there was like maybe a month of recipe development and testing um, Mm -hmm. because it's not as simple as just like putting a chunk of mochi inside your typical regular um, brown butter chocolate chip cookie recipe because the dough, 
while baking kind of absorbs some of the moisture from the mochi and it, it will become like super flat and like soggy and or like oily if you don't have the right proportion of flour to butter. Um, so I kind of had to play around with that a bit. And um, your typical brown butter chocolate chip cookie is like more flat, but mm-hmm. mine is like, it's like more thick because it needs to be thick enough to hold the mochi inside and right. also not be like super soggy and after it might absorb some of the moisture so yeah took some trial and error but eventually was able to develop my own recipe yeah I can imagine lots of work definitely went into perfecting that cookie recipe out of curiosity what did you do with the test run cookies did you give them to friends share with your family oh I ate them or shared them with family (laughs) and friends the best way to go about it yeah, I didn't make like, I think the max quantity I'd make is like 12. But yeah, I definitely oh, shared okay. them with friends. I'm kind of sorry to my friends if you ate like some soggy ass cookies. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, you know, the ideation phase. So mm-hmm. thank you for being my test subjects. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was definitely an honor to have tried your cookies as they would have been amazing either way. <laughs> and then as for the cookies that you're making, like, Here comes the Easter egg, by the way, for the listeners out there, as I mentioned before. What message do you want your cookies to send to your customers? For my brand, I kind of wanted to have like a more gourmet, but also like made with love sort of vibe. So Mm -hmm. I guess the message would be like these cookies were made with love by a small business owner with like kind of like an Asian twist. And it's different from your typical mass-made cookie because it's handmade more with care and passion. Mm-hmm. I love that a lot. I'd say like baked goods are definitely a great way to spread the love and communicate that you love and care for those around you. Mm-hmm. Right. So then I can see that based on all of the wonderful things that you've shared with me, there definitely is a whole lot of creativity that went into creating this business and creating the perfect cookie that your customers can really enjoy and remember for a long time. So then with regards to this sense of creativity, would you say that you grew up in an environment that really praised ideas, creativity, and thinking outside the box? Or would you say that you had to create an outlet and a channel to make that happen and to develop that sense of creativity? Um, Yeah, I definitely think I grew up in a creative environment. Like when I was a kid, I took so many different classes. um, And I've always loved art as a kid. So I would be taking drawing classes since I was really young. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also did like clay class and like dancing. Mm -hmm. Not that I can dance or anything, but (laughs) I did like hip hop and ballet as a Uh, young kid. But yeah, um, I had a did a lot of creative things, um, but baking was also one of my hobbies for sure as a kid, and that was one of the only hobbies that I still carried on to my adulthood. Um, I also mm-hmm. played piano for like ten years. Ah, uh, yeah, the whole Royal Conservatory. Oh yes, that. <laughs> oh man, I actually learned violin, and I don't think I've ever touched it. I remember, yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> It's really cool how you know violin, though. It's more unique than, like, piano. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. I'm just glad that I didn't break any strings (laughs) while we were, like, playing together or, like, on playdates. It's like, bring your books and practice piano or practice your music when you're not at home and you're just like, 
okay. (laughs) So then something that I'm also curious about is, you know, definitely when you're running a business, there are sometimes phases where things may be a little slow or phases where it's a little difficult. So then how do you keep on going during sales slumps and tougher times? I think it's my circumstances are a little different from some other business owners. Like this Mm -hmm. milk and mochi isn't like my main source of income. Well, while I was running milk and mochi, I was either on co-op or in school. So I recently just finished my last co-op and now I'm going to be starting my last semester like in like next week. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I think like I just kind of take it chill. Um, Mm -hmm. If there's no no sales, I mean, I just kind of relax and take it as a break almost. But Mm -hmm. I think um, back when I was really trying to grow the business, grow my following to what it is now, I would be um doing a little bit of marketing so I would either do like tastings with Instagram foodies or like host a Mm -hmm. giveaway um and I find that it usually does work to boost sales or I would do like a like a promotion like a sale like 20% off or something like that for like Black Friday for example Mm -hmm. yeah and that's a really good mindset I think actually when things aren't going super well you actually view it as a time to take a break to really reflect and to see what you can do moving forward just because I've been noticing this recently is that when things don't work out I feel like usually if you just try to relax a little bit and then let the idea come to you then usually it just takes off again just fine Mm -hmm. yeah but then kind of looking at the wonderful moments that you've had with tastings um working with other collaborators on really boosting sales and selling the wonderful cookies do you have any memorable customer moments that you can share well one that i can think of recently is um a customer um recently had a big order because i think Mm -hmm. she was gifting it out to friends as christmas gifts oh yeah she ordered a lot and And then it was really nice, actually, when I was preparing the order, knowing that it would be a gift. And I found that really sweet. Um, And she had, like, a little message as well. Like, um, so I wrote, like, on each of the tags, like, happy holidays. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, and then the customer also was really sweet and, like, left me a little chocolate bar when she (laughs) came to pick it up. So I thought that was really cute. And it's really lovely to be part of people's, like, celebrations, like Christmas or, like, birthday gifts or, like, Mother's Day and things like that. It's Mm -hmm. really cool. That is amazing. And that is honestly so kind of the customer. Mm -hmm. I feel like it just makes your day super amazing when you're able to contribute something amazing or if you're able to be a part of somebody's special day as you mentioned Mm -hmm. right now kind of narrowing into the final segment of this episode here so something that we often hear about is that a business is the extension of its founder because it usually features parts of the founder in its identity and what it stands for So then what parts of you would you say are extended to the Milk and Mochi brand? Yeah, I think probably the Asian inspired flavors bit Mm -hmm. that would be stemming from like my culture and what I grew up loving and eating. Like I am a huge dessert fan. So mochi cookies in general, like, I mean, they're really good. And I and I just loved baking and loved eating cookies so I think that part is definitely from me and then in terms of the brand like I think the branding is super like cute (laughs) like really pink and adorable and I think that's kind of like an injection of my style almost Mm -hmm. um like I kind of made it a little bit girly I think Mm -hmm. that's also a part of me as well I love that initially upon seeing the 
milk and mochi um, images on Instagram, I can say that it really is you. Like it's a great <laughs> extension of you, like especially the pink part and then the Asian inspired flavors as well really showcases your background, ties in your personality and creativity in it as well. Mm-hmm. I see that now that you've grown the business significantly since the inception or the introduction of Milk and Mochi, do you have any long-term visions for the brand at the moment? I definitely have had some people tell me that I should take Milk and Mochi as a full-time thing and try to scale mm-hmm. it um, and like start baking in a in a commissary kitchen and like mm-hmm. do like uh, food festivals and things like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't really see myself doing baking as like a full-time job personally mm-hmm. because like I know that it could reach a point where I'm not the one who's baking. I'm just the owner and then people would be baking for me. But in between mm-hmm. that, there is definitely a lot of hard work and baking early and late hours. And I'm kind of more passionate about the business side, like the marketing side. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to work corporate. So yeah, I, I don't really think that I would be scaling it, but it's definitely mm-hmm. a really fun like side hobby for me for sure. And since mm-hmm. I don't really have like the pressure of keeping sales up all the time, um, like I mentioned, I sort of just take it chill when sales mm-hmm. are not super high so I think it's nice to just keep it now as like Mm -hmm. a side thing and if there are orders then I'll do them if not then I'm just gonna chill and do my main thing but yeah I think before though I was definitely trying to grow it um, during the pandemic like by doing the marketing things like that and also I was Mm -hmm. offering delivery for a little bit but um, the delivery company that I worked with there is some issues so now I'm just back to doing pickup Um, And I might do delivery again soon because I know a lot of people who are interested or like my followers, they are outside of Richmond. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I might explore delivery again, but for now it's just pick up until I can figure out which delivery company I should go with. Yeah, it definitely makes sense that you want to retain the originality of it. Just like how you mentioned, if it gets to a point where it gets really big, you might have to outsource the baking part of it to someone else and then the originality or the personal ability side of it kind of decreases. But then nonetheless, you made everyone's lives a lot better with the cookies and the sweetness behind it. So then at this point in time, we're kind of hitting the end of today's episode. Before we end it off, Bonnie, are there any final words that you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, uh, if anyone listening was a customer or is a potential customer, thank you so much for supporting my small business. It means the world to me. Um, I'm just a regular person baking, so it's really, it's really cool to know that there's so many people out there who want to try my baking something that I made myself so I think that's really awesome so yeah thank you for having an interest in my bakery and you can find me at at milk and mochi on instagram yep you heard it definitely (laughs) continue supporting milk and mochi get those mochi cookies on hand get the mochi pole as well and continue savoring the sweetness and the happiness that the cookies bring Right. So then this brings us to the very end of today's episode. Once again, thank you so much, Bonnie, for tuning in today and for making the time to come on to this show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really fun. Uh, I'm glad. Yeah, like it's your first time being on a podcast, but then I have to say you were a natural at it. 
<laughs> oh, thank you. Of course. Right. So for all the devoted listeners who made it to the end and got the message, now I hope you got a better understanding of the story and the vision behind Milk and Mochi. But most importantly, please be sure to visit Milk and Mochi, which is at Milk and Mochi. So M-I-L-K-N-M-O-C-H-I to place your order. If you place an order, make sure to document that Mochi poll and tag Milk and Mochi as well as the Hey Gen podcast with the footage of it. We'll definitely be waiting and we definitely want to see you savor that. Yes, can't wait to see it. Yes, definitely. Be sure to document. Don't just eat it right away. (laughs) Right. So then at this time, it brings us to the end. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay inspired. May you have the sweetest 2022 ever. Bye. Bye.